My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. This is Tuesday night, and I'm so glad you've let me and us come right into your space. And the us is me and Paul Renner and Joel Renner. Hey, guys. Hi. Thank you for letting us be here. It's fun to be here, and I'm so glad that we can be here together with you. It is a privilege that we can study the Word of God and study the Word of God together. Church, being part of a body of believers, is a fe it's about fellowship. Fellowship is a big part of it. So please talk to us during the home group today, and you can chat and talk to each other during the home group. And I read all the comments. I do. When I wake up every morning, First thing I do after I read my Bible and do all the things that I do every day is I go online and I see all your comments. And I want to say thank you. It really means a lot. I learn a lot from what people say online. Hey, Joel, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you guys. I'm so happy to be here. And if you have a prayer request, please write to us or call us. We want to know how to pray for you. We really mean that. But we're doing a series this week in our home group called Do You Want to Be Healed? And it's based on this study guide in the series that I've taught by the same title. You can get it on our website, runner.org. But Jesus came to the Pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. And we saw yesterday that the Pool of Bethesda was located on the backside of the temple. The temple had a wall that went all around the Temple Mount. Huge. And on the backside, there was a road that you can still walk on today. Pilgrims have been walking on that road for 2,000 years. Today it's called the Via Della Rosa. And just on the other side of the Via Della Rosa, there's a big arch. You can walk through that arch to a very old site that was once called the Pool of Bethesda. And when you come to John chapter 5, Jesus came walking into the Pool of Bethesda on that day. And when he walked in, the Bible tells us, look at this, in John chapter 5, Joel, would you please read the first couple verses? After This is John chapter 5, verse yes, 1. Yes, verse 1. After, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called, in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. You know what? I have to stop and comment for a minute. The word pool, that word pool is only used twice in the New Testament. It's used here, and it's used to describe the pool of Siloam. It's a Greek word called lambrethra. Well, the Pool of Bethesda is kind of hard today to figure out what it looked like because it's so old and so dilapidated and it just doesn't look anything like it used to look like. But you can go to the Pool of, Beth of Siloam. And the Pool of Siloam is beautiful. Where it's is it? It's magnificent. It's in the, at, near the city of David. And that's what this was at one time. It was magnificent. It had been occupied by the wealthy, the elite, the educated, the powerful. But over a period of time, they abandoned it. It fell into disrepair. And now it's occupied by the sick. Okay, read the next verse. Verse 3. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. All right, let's pause. When the Bible says, in these lay, the Greek word is perikamai. Peri means around, all around them. The word kami means they were really stacked in there. Or they were in this place almost like sardines in a can. You could not have walked through this place 
without trying to figure out how to step over all the sick people because they were almost like alligators. Have you ever seen alligators? Mm -hmm. They just kind of lay over each other. They were just laying all over each other in this place. And the Bible says that they were impotent folk, that's the word, asthenias, which doesn't just describe people that are physically sick, but people that are financially destitute. It's really important that word is used here because it really paints the picture of what sickness does. Sickness is such a thief. You know, I don't get sick very often. Praise Jesus, almost never. But in moments when I've been sick, I always say to Denise, wow, sickness is such a thief. It does. It steals your time, your money, your abilities. All you can do is lay there. Your, your opportunities. Voice, your, op- your, your strength. It just steals. It steals time. It's just such a thief. It doesn't give anything. It does It takes and takes and takes. Well, these people were those that had been robbed of their physical health, robbed of their finances, robbed of their life. As Thinius, they'd just been robbed on every level. And the Bible describes them as being blind, halt, and withered. The word blind, the word tuflos in Greek, those who have either lost their sight or they have no eyes to see. This was considered to be the most incurable of all sicknesses. Secondly, in this place were the halt. The word halt is a King James word, but it really means those that are maimed. Just like if a person is injured in an industrial accident and they lose a hand or they lose a foot or they lose an arm. These were people that had been maimed and now they're laying in this place. And finally it says those that were withered and the word withered in Greek is the word zero. These were the big zeros in society. I wonder how many people feel like zeros. Here I am. Why am I even here? I can't contribute. All I do is just sit in this house. The hours seem to pass so slowly. I just eat. That's how those people felt. Society looked at them as zeros. They were called useless eaters because you just fed them, but they would never contribute to society. So really the verse means in this, in these five covered porches, were jam-packed and overflowing people who were blind incurably, people who had been maimed in accidents, those who felt like they were big zeros, useless eaters, whom society believed could contribute nothing to life. And they were all there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the moving of the water. Well, why were they waiting for the moving of the water? That water never moved. It was stagnant water. No water flowed in, no water flowed out. And because of the five covered porches, even the wind couldn't move this water. So why are they all waiting there for the moving of the water? Just imagine you walk into that place, all the sick people are laying on their sides, all facing the water. Stagnant water, horrible water. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I know what stagnant water looks like in hot weather. It's sickening. It grows all kinds of things. I remember when I was a kid, I was out at a pond was covered with all kinds of stuff. And my friend said, let's go swimming. We dove in. When we came out, we were covered with slime. That's what this place was like. This is Israel. It gets really hot. Now it's growing all this filth. And people are all laying there, sick people, all with their eyes fixed on the water, waiting for that stagnant, filthy body of water to start moving. Why were they waiting for the water to move? Well, what does the verse say next? Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. 
Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever, whatever disease he had. All right, now if you have a newer translation, that may not be there. Some newer translations remove that verse because they say it's not in the oldest text. But when you go further in the text, it refers to this angelic moving of the water again. So it definitely was taking place. But notice what it says, for an angel went down. You know, in this study guide, I just looked at this. In this particular lesson, I give 26 different Greek word definitions from this chapter. It's amazing. You should order this. But went down is the word katabino. It means to step down, just like if you were stepping down a set of stairs. And so this verse means from time to time, they never knew when, it wasn't predictable. An angel would step down, just like walking down a set of steps, but he would step into the water. And the Bible says, at a certain season. Nobody knew what season it was. That's why they were all just waiting and lingering. And the Bible says, and troubled the water. The word troubled is the word terrasso. You want to know what that word means? I'm sorry, it's the word kinesis. It means to stir. It describes commotion, agitation, or a very fierce moving. The word terrasso is also used, which means to distress The water was distressed. It was a very fierce agitation of the water. Well, water doesn't move like that naturally. Mm. And it was so agitated that it's splashing on the sick. They're laying all around it. And the Bible says, whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. May I do that? Yes. I believe this was a point of contact. God created a situation where people could release their faith. Now today, we have a point of contact. It's called the cross. Those stripes on Jesus' back, we can release our faith in it every single day, any minute of the day, and we can release our faith. But this was before the cross. And God loved these people so much that God created an environment where their faith could be released. And when the water began to move, their faith would rise. Their faith would rise. But they wrongly believed that they had to touch the water to be healed. The truth is, when their faith rose, they could have all been healed. But they didn't have faith teaching. They didn't have that. Somehow they believed that when the angel came into the water, he put magic powers in the water. They had to touch the water or they had to get into the water. But the truth is, when their faith rose, if they had known how to use their faith, They could have all been healed, but they didn't understand that. So they're laying there destroyed for lack of knowledge. They think there's magic or there's some kind of power in the water. The water had no power in it. Water has never healed anybody. It was a moment that was created by God for their faith to be released. Isn't God amazing? It is. When I read this, it reminds me kind of like a lottery. Whoever was the first one to get in the water is the one who gets Well, that's kind of the way it was, Joel. That's how, that's how I read it, and they were treating it. That's exactly how it was. Kind of like the lucky one is the lucky one. And whoever stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. You know what the word whole means? It's the word hugies. A better translation would be whoever stepped in got his life back. Got his life back. And that's what happens when you get healed. You get your life back. You get your health back, you get your time back, you get your money back, you get everything back, you get your life back. When God touches you, it's full restoration. 
but they didn't realize they could all get it. They thought it was only the lucky one who won the lottery. Mm -hmm. That's a great illustration, Joel. And it says, a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? Do you notice it says a certain man? Have you ever noticed in the Gospels? Every once in a while it says a certain man or a certain woman. Have you ever noticed that? No. It's almost like, you know, they, people would know who he's talking about. That's exactly what it means. Like the woman with the issue of blood, there was a certain woman with an issue of blood. It means at the time of the writing of that gospel, that woman was still alive. Everybody knew her. You could go interview her and ask her questions. Wow. This man was notable in the early church. And a certain man, it really means a certain man. You know who I'm talking about. We all know him. That's really what it means. That's actually encouraging. Because it means that after he was healed, he stuck around, he stuck around, people knew him, they could talk to him, he could share his story and testimony. That's a new thought. That's encouraging. But it says a certain man was there, which had an infirmity. How long? 38 years. 38 years. Okay, because the guys, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been sick for very long? No, I've never been sick for very long. Have you, Joe? Like maybe a week, maybe two weeks. Well, you know, sickness over a period of time begins to affect you. And people that have been sick for a long time, it, it really begins to affect you. It affects you mentally. It affects you physically. It affects you emotionally. You know, after a period of time, you begin to adapt to your sickness. You might even wonder if you're ever going to get well. You know, Denise gives the testimony of her own healing. She had cystic acne for 13 years. 13. Years it destroyed the layers of her face and her neck. And Denise recently told me that in those 13 years, she gave up. She began to understand, you know what, this is my lot in life. There's nothing I can do about this. It was horrible. Her mother would drive her to Tulsa where she had dry eyes treatments where they basically just burn a layer of skin off of your face and then her face would crust over and it just seemed like it never went away. And Denise's face back in those days was huge, not because she was overweight, it was just swollen with poison. 13 years Denise struggled with that. She just believed it was her lot in life. She kind of gave up hope that she would ever be healed. She couldn't get jobs because of the appearance of her face. She was eliminated from a lot of things. She was shunned by girls and by people at school. It was just horrible. Not only was she sick, but she was shunned because of her sickness. She was kind of like the woman with the issue of blood. Denise was treated like she was unclean. But she adapted to it because that's what happens when you're sick year after year after year after year. But I know something about this man. I would like to take that, what I said back. Why, Joel? I have been fighting with something for years, and what? I'm really tired of it. What is it? Eyesight. I wear glasses most of the time, and I'm just tired of it. And it's just it's aggravated me for years. Well, I want to tell you something. Your mother used to wear contacts, and God has restored her eyesight. She used to wear glasses. She did. She wore glasses and contacts. Yeah. Her eyesight is perfect. I know. Her healing has just continued. It has. And, and I, one eye is completely healed. Be it unto you according to your faith, Joel. But I want to say something about this man. Okay, this man is critically ill. He has been sick for 38 years. He is so sick, he is a zero. He is a useless eater, a non-contributor to society, laying in the pool of Bethesda 
for 38 years. What do I know about this man? I know that this man had faith when he first came there. Why else would you come there? What sick person would want to leave the comfort of their home where their family's taking care of them to go lay down by a dirty, stinking pool along all those other sick people? You would only come there unless you believed something good was going to happen. And I'm sure that his family didn't want him to go there. Now, if you knew somebody that was sick in your family and they wanted to go to a place like that, you'd probably try to talk them out of it. He went there in faith. He probably went there against the wishes of his family, but he took his place there in the sardine can with all the other sick people that were laying there, and he's laying on his side with his eye fixed on the water like everybody else because he heard this was Bethesda, a place where God's goodness sometimes was poured out, and he came there in faith. And the day that Jesus came into that place, that man has been there 38 years. In 38 years, he has heard so many healing testimonies, but he has never received. In fact, I jokingly say he could have written a bestseller called The Miracles of Bethesda. He's been there so long he could document all the miracles that took place there, but he's still there and he's sick. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been sitting there in your bed of affliction or whatever's bothering you and you've prayed to be changed. You've released your faith to be changed and you've seen other people be changed. You hear other testimonies and you've never received what you need. It can be very discouraging. It really can. I believe that was that man's condition. And that's why the verse goes on to say, when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been an out a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Now, friend, there's really something to learn here about ministering to people. When Jesus saw this man, he saw him lie. That word lie does not just refer to his physical posture. Jesus has x-ray eyes. He never just looks at an exterior. Jesus is always looking inside. And Jesus could see that on the inside, this man had given up, just like Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart go sorrow. Sick. It just makes you sad. You give up. Hope deferred is a terrible thing. And this man probably had just said, you know what? This must be my lot in life. I'm just going to lay here the rest of my life. And this man almost was on the edge of giving up. And when Jesus saw him, he saw this man not just physically laying down, but inwardly, this man had given up hope. You know when I learned this, guys? When we first moved to the Soviet Union and we lived in Yelgava, I would see people walking on the streets all humped over. I remember even saying to Denise, this country looks like it's filled with hunchbacks. So many people just bent over, walking on canes. In fact, they were so bent over, it was almost like their position was like this. I didn't even know how people could walk like that. And I used to think, why are there so many people so humped and so bent over in the Soviet Union? And of course, it was dreary, it was sad, it was so hopeless. But you know, we don't see that anymore. We never see that. It's like they all disappeared. What happened? Hope came. And when things change, people begin to stand upright. And I begin to learn 
The physical body is often a reflection of an inward condition. The reason we saw so many people bent over in those days is because they were so inwardly hopeless and their body just followed what they felt. But when hope comes, people begin to stand up again. And it's very important, guys, never forget this, that when you minister to people, pay attention to their physical posture. You will really learn something about people's spiritual condition by watching their posture. Watch how people sit. Watch how people look at you or don't look at you with their eyes. Those are all great indicators to know what's happening inside a person. And Jesus understood that. And when he came into the place that day, he saw this man and Jesus saw him laying physically. The Jesus x-ray eyes were looking inside to that man. Peter and John did the same thing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, when they came to the temple at the hour of prayer, they saw a man who was laying there and they fastened their eyes on him. The word on in Greek is the word ice. It means they looked inside him. They learned that from Jesus. Well, now Jesus sees the man lying, and look what else it says. When Jesus saw him lying inwardly and spiritually, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, the word had is the word echo. It means he was really locked in this for a long time. This was, he was in the grip of this for a long time. Long time is the word chronos. It was a chronic condition. This man had chronically been in this condition. And Jesus saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? That is such a weird question to ask a man like this, who is there obviously because he wants to be made whole. And when Jesus says, Wilt thou, it is the Greek word thales. It's a form of the word thelo. But here it literally means, What is your intentions? What is your intentions? Do you really want to be healed? And by the way, when Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole, the word whole here means, do you really intend to get your life back? What are your intentions? Tell me clearly, what is your goal? Seems like a strange question to ask a person who came there to be healed. But the man had been sick so long that his infirmity became his identity. Just like Denise, thinking it was her lot in life. She just kind of surrendered to it before she was healed. This man probably said, you know what? This is where I'm going to live my life. These are my friends. It became his identity. And Jesus knew if this man was going to be healed, he was going to radically change his life. It wasn't just a matter of feeling better. He was going to have to get a job, get up, get out of there, make new friends, go to school. It was going to totally radically change this man's life. And so Jesus compassionately, kindly interrogated him. And Jesus said, Thelis, what are your intentions? Let's be clear. Shoot it straight. Do you really intend to get your life back again? What are your intentions? And sometimes before we're healed, we have to be confronted. We have to be confronted. Have we become comfortable in our infirmity? It may not always be physical. It might be mental. It might be spiritual. It may be emotional. It might be that you're in a very dysfunctional relationship, but you've learned to function in it. You've become comfortable there. And for you to change, it's, it's, it's going to really change everything.
That's part of the mercy of God. Oh, it's merciful. When God begins to work, he often first confronts you. He often first shows you where you are. And then he says, but I can help you. It doesn't have to stay this way. Because sometimes we get stuck in our own, in our own worlds or even in our own lives. We get stuck in the way things are and then we, get, we begin to adjust to them. We begin to think that this is the way it's always going to be. Or like you said earlier, this is my lot in life. Yeah. So first Jesus confronts him and says, are you sure? Is this really your lot in life? Do you want to change? Are you willing to make, take the effort to change? And, and it's interesting. He begins to talk back to Jesus. He immediately... Oh, but that's tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to see how he begins to talk back to Jesus. Because usually when God deals with us, we begin to talk back. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, well, well, well God, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, yeah, but, but if, but if. you go, What about them? What about them? He begins to talk back to Jesus. And by the way, that doesn't offend Jesus. And Jesus was merciful enough, kind enough to let him talk back to him. And then Jesus responded. But guys, we're out of time. But hey, you know, Jesus may be asking you tonight, do you really want to change? If you need somebody to pray with you, write to us or call us. But we're going to come back tomorrow, guys, and we're going to pick up right here. This has been good, but we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.